0: Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Buxton and
1: Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy, I'm excited to talk about my pit and my peak with you. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long. I know. I was on vacation last week. So what was your pit? What was your peak? Well, my peak was also in a way my pit. I turned 47 on Friday and 47 seems really old. I know it's all relative and that for some people it seems young and for some people it seems old, but I was in college when my mom was 47 and I I remember my mom's 40th birthday almost more than I remember her 50th birthday. So I'm just feeling old, but considering it wasn't a big milestone birthday, it was still a really great birthday. I had I had the best time with so many different people. We went on Thursday night with my parents and Jim and Neely and Gracie to the Metro for dinner. And then Friday night, I got to go to the Living Kitchen Farm, which is in Depew, Oklahoma. And if you guys have not been there, you have got to go. It's absolutely beautiful. It's delicious. You feel like in a way you've gone back in time. You have dinner out on the porch of this log cabin that's got to be at least 100 years old. And there's a set menu, which I love. It's not too many. You don't have to de- figure out anything. Uh, they just start bringing the food. And it was an absolutely wonderful culinary experience. And so at the farm, is it farm to table? Is that it's farm to table? And all most of the ingredients are from Oklahoma. The things like the vinegars and the salts and the spices aren't necessarily from Oklahoma, but all of the vegetables and the meats and the grains are from Oklahoma. They make out home. They a home. There's an entire course dedicated to bread, wow. which was with homemade butter, butter that they churn themselves. I, I loved it. So that was, that was, that was my peak. Amy, tell me about your vacation. I saw all well, the you pictures. Your pit. Oh, my pit. Oh, wait, your birthday. Well, my pit was I'm 47. The other pit was that the person who drove us to Depew, Oklahoma almost killed us in a sprinter van. I've never been so scared in my entire life. I, I, I think we took the sprinter van to two wheels. So that was kind of hard to recover from. And I had to have several glasses of wine to sort of take <laughs> the edge off. But we terrifying. survived, and here I am to tell you about the amazing dinner. Oh my tell gosh. me about you. Well, a lot of fishing. What, what what was happening? Yeah, so
0: we went down to Port Aransas, Texas. Uh, my my in laws have a beach home down there. Which, if somebody's looking for a beach that's somewhat drivable from here, I would highly recommend it. It's about nine hours. Um, so still tough with a 10 month old and a two and a half year old, but it was awesome. I mean, it felt so good to be in the sun. It was 80 and sunny the whole time we went red fishing, which fishing for me, like not to be super religious, but it's kind of like when I'm on the waters where I feel God and, I hadn't fished because I usually fish in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We usually take a fishing trip and I didn't get to go this time because it was my sister's wedding and which that of course was wonderful, but I hadn't been. And so it felt so good to fish. It felt great to just, you know, have my two year old play in the sand. I felt a little guilty because it was his first time at the beach. Um, But it was honestly such a good age to go because I gave him a somewhat healthy fear of the ocean. Just because he doesn't swim great. So um, he would play in the waves and, you know, obviously he got, he was basically at a giant sandbox and that was heaven for him. And then our daughter just loved, I mean, she was just loving every minute of it. She's pretty fun anyway. So. Did she
1: try to eat the sand? Um, I always remember that was what my kids would try to do at the
0: lots beach. Lots of sand eaten, ate. Wait.
1: Lots of sand was eaten.
0: Was eaten, yes. Um, which, you know, just came out the other end. Right.
1: <laughs> it's fine. Are you still um, finding sand in every single thing you took to the beach? Oh my gosh, it's all over so your house. It, Probably no. For
0: some reason Jeff's he is a big suburban and so it was kind of the like chair intent. Um, vehicle, so oh, yeah, so there's yes. sand all there's over. sand everywhere. Yeah. Um. Thankfully, I did a lot of laundry before we came home, so I felt like I was, you
1: know, everything was semi clean as far as clothes. But that's my favorite thing about renting a house or being yes. at a house on vacation. Yes. I obsessively do laundry on Me a vacation, too. Me too. not at home. But I mean, everything is clean when I come home from a vacation. Well, and I, feel I love like, it. So
0: we had to pack because we left Friday, or sorry, we left Saturday. Saturday night, we went to Fort Worth. So we had, and we had a christening that night for my niece. So we had to have nice clothes for that. Then we had to have beach clothes. And then on Friday, we drove to San Antonio to kind of break up the drive. And so we went to a fun dinner. So, like, I felt like with three different destinations, I had to pack sort of differently. I so have I have that was, coming
1: up. It's, right, I'm really stressed out about it.
0: Yeah, it's hard to pack for, but um, anyway. So. so, what was the pit? Well, the pit was Sweet Pete died. <sighs> Oh, I know. So everybody who listened to Andrea's episode, we talked about my parents, bird Pete. He did have bird cancer. We knew he was sort of, he was, we knew he was going to pass soon. Um, but yeah, on Saturday night he passed away in his sleep. So (laughs) I know it sucks but you tell everyone where your dad buried him he so my parents have a really lovely garden in their back um, in the back of their house and so Pete's in the garden which for my dad is really sweet just because my dad loves the garden and I don't know I feel so bad for my dad it's just you know his buddy's gone so it was it didn't so I called you and told you about Pete you teared up which I felt like I never even met Pete and I felt a connection with him well and I felt like kind of an a-hole because I was sort of laughing but it's because he was the comic relief of my family but then when I went to my parents house and I saw they had this beautiful antique bird ha- like cage um, in their kitchen and it was gone and that's when I was like oh wow Pete's really gone so that was my pit rest in peace I know Pete. I, I unfortunately have like a really I laugh when I'm uncomfortable I think and sad so I'm laughing and Catherine's tearing <laughs> up it's just so bad Uh, it's I know I'm
1: I'm glad we got to tell the story of Pete though
0: me too before he passed away I think that was meant to
1: be for sure
0: so uh, yeah I should I need to stop laughing it's so inappropriate and this happens to me in really uncomfortable like funerals and stuff it's not good but um, yeah rest in peace Pete I'm sure he's you know drinking a beer with Kobe Bryant and RBG and all those people probably all the fun people yeah for sure so Every restaurant, every team, every time. The Social Order is invested in the renaissance and continued growth of our great state of Oklahoma. Whether it's creating a new concept or furthering the success of an existing brand, we believe in raising our standards and never settling for less than the best. With our Dining and Drinks Concept 747 in Norman, our seven Fuzzies taco shop locations, previously Texadelphia Social Grill in Oklahoma City's Brooktown, the Jones Assembly on Historic Film Row, and spark coming soon to scissor tail park the social order is making a difference on how oklahoma lives plays and eats for more information go to the www.thesocialorder.com
1: welcome to our conversation with the mother daughter duo behind plenty mercantile tracy walton and Brittany matlock are here with us today and we have really been looking forward to this interview so let's get started Girls now for, so just so our audience knows, we are not all in the same place and we have this really fancy zoom camera system set up so we can, we can see Tracy and Brittany and they can see us and we can hear each other. And so we're hoping this turns out like we were all in the same room together. So. You guys, thanks for dealing with all of our technology. This is exciting.
0: Well, so, I mean, obviously we try to do is a little bit of research on all of our guests, but Tracy, I, where are you from? I could not figure out where you grew up. Uh, it's, a, it's a mystery. Uh, mostly in Texas. Okay. Oh so you gosh. were living elsewhere and met your husband here. Yes. I went to
2: school at Stephen F. Austin and I used to sneak up from Stephen F. Boston and we would go out in Oklahoma city and little did I know years later, I would end up marrying the, the classmate of my brother-in-law. So.
1: So your sister would have you up here to sneak out, to go with the medical student, go out with the medical students. Is this how this went down? I hope my parents aren't going to, well, no, no, we won't tell them about this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if my parents even know how to turn on a podcast. So it's going to take a lot of explaining to them. Yeah. Well, okay. so. You moved up here when you got engaged before. What was, how did you just, when somebody said, Do you want to move to Oklahoma City? How did that ring in your head? What was the, oh gosh.
2: Well, I uh, actually married uh, my, my I- so same, my first husband, Brittany's dad. Um, I met him at Stephen F. Austin, okay. who's from Houston, um, had Brittany. We divorced when Brittany was two. And Brittany and I moved to San Antonio and, uh, Greg, my husband now, was doing a fellowship at the Burn Center
0: there. So, how many kids do you have, in, obviously, including Brittany?
2: Uh, we have uh, Haley, who's next in line, who just graduated from OSU and is working in Dallas for Deloitte. And then we have um, twins that one is at UW in Washington and one is in, at KU in Kansas.
0: That's so fun. house. That's awesome. So Brittany, what was it like growing up in Edmond?
3: Yeah, so I actually didn't move to Edmond until my junior year of high school. So when we moved from Atlanta, we actually we moved to Enid before we moved to Oklahoma City. So we were in Enid for eight-ish years. So I was in Enid from third grade to literally Christmas break of my junior year. And at Christmas break, we moved to Edmond. So that was super hard, but it actually ended up being incredibly wonderful because I graduated from Edmund Memorial and went to OSU and a ton of people from Memorial that year went to OSU and a ton of people from Enid did as well. So I ended up knowing a lot of people when I got to OSU and they weren't that far apart. So it actually ended up being really great. Okay. But we, we moved around. We moved around. I think I switched schools every year until fourth grade. So that was also hard, but I think it has made me, it's helped develop my personality. I think super adaptable and
1: just kind of have to be, but figure out how to be friends with everybody. It probably really helps you in running your business and working with all different kinds of personalities too.
3: It definitely has. Yeah. And to just kind of be consistent and be the same person I am with everybody and and also, my, my parents are divorced when I was two, so they both remarried when I was still pretty young. So I have four awesome parents. Uh, but up until I was, you know, sixteen, I would go stay with my dad in Houston, and it was a different, you know, hold just a, a different family. So that was also kind of added to learning to be really adaptable. But it, it's become one of my greatest assets, I think.
0: Hundred. Well, and I think in retail, that's like, I mean, oh, gosh, that you can't. Yes that's such an important skill to be able to see a customer say, you know, reflect their personality a little bit and be, yeah, adaptable to their needs and their wants. And I think that that's huge. Figure out how to
3: be confident with who you are and what you know to be true while also, you know, making it work for both of you.
0: hundred percent. Well, I'm sorry. I guess I was under the impression you grew up in Edmond. So, but then, so you well, make,
3: well, Well, and I luckily I, I went into a class that was incredibly welcoming and even they are like, I forgot you only got here in the middle of junior year. Like it felt like I had been there for a long time. So I I just got really lucky with a good group of kids my age that made it feel that way.
0: Well, and I think for high school, that's like the secret sauce is like finding that group of just like people who are so welcoming and wonderful. So high school was a good experience for you.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, I had half of it in a small town and then half of it in a big, uh, not a big city, but a city, you know, we used to call Oklahoma City, the city. (laughs) And I still do.
1: Wait, when you came from Edmond to Oklahoma City, oh, when you came from Enid to Oklahoma City, you'd say, we're going to the city. Yeah, That's what my husband grew up in Duncan. And they say the same thing they'd be going to the city. So when it was like prom and Duncan, they came to the city for dinner before prom. That was like a huge, or they went shopping in the city. Very normal. When we Uh meet here,
3: I kept saying that, and they just did not understand what I was saying. It was like, "It's we
1: are. This is it. We're in the city. <laughs> I live here now." <laughs> I have to stop saying the city. The city. Well, okay. So after college, did you guys start Plenty right when you graduated from college? What was the timing? Because you've had, Plenty's been open eight years. How long? Yeah. So no, it's November now. We will be
3: eight years old on November twenty first the day Happy before
1: Thanksgiving. Yeah, day, which was also Black a, Friday, great which time we didn't to be
3: opening. Entirely understand no. at the time. <laughs> We've never done this before. So, that was a big learning learning lesson. Uh, but yeah, so I I ended up being at OSU for 5 years, but after my 4th year, I went to Boston and did an internship with a company called Sustainalytics, and I was doing sustainability analysis for Responsible Investors because I was studying entrepreneurship and sustainability and design and marketing. And Tracy, I, I now call her Tracy. Tracy, I was I was say,
0: say,
1: mom. Do you not call her mom at work? I guess that's not very well, professional. Tracy
2: you... is, it's still weird. She it's, did a lot when we first started and, and now it catches me off guard.
3: Honestly, I was not very confident in how young I looked, honestly, and that she was my mom. So in public settings, when people didn't know, I would say Tracy to try to make myself look older or like I wasn't the daughter. So that was just came out of insecurity, but now it's just a habit. And, but now I say mom too. So it comes out.
0: I can completely relate to that. Cause when I did the scout guide with my mom, like some people wouldn't know we were mother daughter and it was so it was like kind of awkward when they would figure it out during a meeting or whatever. <laughs> so I can relate.
3: Yes, totally. Now I'm super proud to be the daughter and I was always proud to be her daughter, but now I've grown into it and
1: I'm good with it. Just don't um, call me. That, me. <laughs> that might be weird. That might be that weird. Be. Well, so uh, you were doing, you did entrepreneurship at OSU. So what, when you were little, did you... Always want to start little businesses and stuff. I mean, I used to have a we had a little stand out in front of a friend's house and we'd sell these acrylic boxes and we'd paint people's names on them with paint pens. That was my awesome. first standalone business and I always loved starting up new ventures. Did you have the same experience growing up?
3: Yeah. So all four of my parents are entrepreneurs. Um, my stepdad had his own medical practice. My mom opened her own mortgage company, my dad and stepmom are realtors. So it's kind of just always been sort of a mindset and a lifestyle. And I think I just gravitated towards that. So even if I didn't actually open my own business, I studied entrepreneurship because just the, the mentality of figuring things out or noticing things that don't exist that could exist can apply in any job. Um, there's. The, I was originally interested in entrepreneurship, which is where you go into larger corporations and help them refine and uh, reinvent their processes from the inside. So that was kind of my plan. Um, and then while I was at that internship in Boston, my mom teamed up with our other co-founder, Chris. They wanted to have a store and an event space and they wanted to have workshops. And it was kind of... A combination of things that didn't really exist at the time, especially not in Oklahoma or Oklahoma City. And so it was kind of hard to for me to wrap my mind around it. But the two of them were, I mean, it was a huge opportunity. And they wanted it to be environmentally friendly or socially responsible. So I joined and decided to not pursue staying in Boston. So I came back and I had one more semester to go. And I used my entrepreneurship curriculum and my actual classes to write the business plan for Plenty while I was in school. So my I started in February of my last semester, graduated in May. We signed our lease in August, and we opened the store in November. So I was oh 23 gosh. and had no idea what I was doing, and I will forever be ruined. I, in, a, in a good way, but I I don't know what a regular work week is. I don't know what it's like to have a boss. I don't, you know, which is hard because I don't know what it's like to have a great boss. So it took me a while to figure out how to be a great manager. Cause you can, you know, I got 101 in management class, but that's totally different when you're standing in front of an actual person. So it's been, it's been a lot of learning since we've never done this, but we're figuring it out.
0: So when did you know, like, when was it like, okay, plenty, this is working. People are getting it like when uh, after you opened, like when did you have that moment?
2: (laughs) We're still, my answer, we're still waiting on that.
0: I do not believe it. I don't believe it either because I love your business model. I love that the retail is so big during Christmas. The venue is big during summer. Like you guys have really created this sort of business within retail and events that like, it it seems to be very cyclical and work. So I don't believe that. I will say
2: there is some sort of magic and having a business plan and writing it down and in claiming it because we've looked back at our business plan and those, those things that we firmly believed at the time were an incredible stretch. And, you know, if, you know, if we had our way, we would do this or if we had this and we would you know like it to be this, that those things, I mean, because of hard work and being surrounded by amazing people, we've, We've done a lot of, well, I mean, we've done most of the things in our business plan. Um, but I think it it really goes back to early on, you know, thinking through it and saying, if we do this, then this will happen and and just, you know, grinding it out every day. I mean, we haven't gotten yeah, everything.
3: I remember one moment early on when we had just created our social media accounts And I was, I graduated school and moved back in with my parents because we were looking at our Facebook page and I remember someone liked our page and both of us looked at each other and we were like, do you know them? Do you know them? And both of us were like, we don't know that person at all. They just like us. They just like plenty for plenty. Like it was the first external validation or like the first person that liked us that we didn't force to like us. That was our family
1: and friends. So that was kind of a moment of... I feel the same way when the first person we don't know listens to the podcast. Yeah. It might take a while. I was (laughs) going to say, I'm not going to hold my breath. No, we're not going to hold our breath. We're not going to hold our breath at all. Well, was there any part... So, I mean, obviously you guys were rooted in Edmond at that point, and you had been in this part of the state for quite a while. What Was there anything about Oklahoma City that made it easier to open plenty or anything about Oklahoma City that made it more difficult? I mean, your sustainability in Oklahoma City is probably still even a stretch today, but eight years ago, it was almost a foreign concept to us. So do you think do you think Oklahoma city played a role in your being successful?
2: Absolutely. I, I, we looked at every, I believe every available space to open a store, a physical brick and mortar. We loved automobile alley. Um, You know, in 2012, it was an entirely different street. Um, It had a great vibe the building that we were looking at was, you know, eight times bigger than what we thought. You know, we needed, but because of Meg Salyer, the councilwoman that wanted retail in Oklahoma City, wanted retail in um, Automobile Alley, she she helped us get into that building. So, in you know, just the the support of Oklahoma City retailers. And other business owners, I think, played a huge role in, and not just as opening the business, but being able to sustain it as well. And I, and I, you're right on target. You know, in 2012, we'd say sustainability. And that was not a common, you know, was not a common term
1: back then. And there really weren't that many people around the country doing what you guys were doing, right? I mean, this was, you know, a lot of times a concept will originate in another big city, Chicago, Dallas, and we'll bring it here. But this concept didn't really exist at all around the country. So you were pioneers. I think, well, I think it, it kind of
2: stemmed from how we had lived at home with Brittany's Brittany's raising her hand. I'm going (laughs) to let you. (laughs) She's been been recycling
1: since you were born,
3: Brittany, or what? So when I was at that internship in Boston, they had divided industry into 64 different sectors and that's how they evaluated them. And retail was one of them. And, I was not fully convinced to move back to Oklahoma or that to even open a store. Like I had never, people were asking, Oh, did you always dream of opening a store? And no, I definitely did not see that coming at all. I was not on a mission to open a retail store or have an event space. Knew I wanted to do something with business and I knew I wanted it to do good and to help use the business to do that good. Um, So I needed some convincing that there was actually a need for, a retail store like this. So they let me use my internship and look into the retail sector of industry. And what I found is the the reason I committed to doing it because there there was a real need. It was really interesting. The, The retail was one of the bottom three performing industries against all other industries in terms of corporate governance, social responsibility, and environmental sustainability. So that showed that there was a huge Opportunity and a huge need for a retailer with a set of purchasing principles like, like we wanted to have. And then what was even more interesting is companies within that lagging industry, the ones that were performing well financially, but not performing well in terms of CSR, the per- corporate social responsibility, were companies that were portraying this lifestyle, this look of a very intentional lifestyle but their fabrication and their actual business practices weren't backing it up. So it showed that the look was profitable and there was a need for that in the in the industry. So that's kind of what convinced me that, there, that it's something like it didn't exist yet. Um, and sustainability, the concept of sustainability has existed for a long time and was gaining traction on the coasts, but was, of course, it's slow to work itself in towards the midwest so it was it was hard to explain it to people and we had to figure out how but like, i think part of our success is has been figuring out the right language to use and that was extremely important and difficult early on because when we would say we're a sustainable lifestyle store you could tell people we're in, they would just say oh so you, you know you sell like incense and and bottle cap bracelets. And, and we wanted to show that the entire design industry, the whole fabrication infrastructure of the world has really taken on the design challenge of producing sustainability. And we have moved beyond those limited, extremely eco-friendly looking types of products. So, Our mission is not to just provide environmentally or socially responsible products, but also ones that enhance your way of life and the the look of the things around you. So hopefully their sustainability does not detract from how great the product is, but it actually makes it even better. But you wouldn't know that right away. So we, we from the beginning, have wanted our products to stand on their own. From the beginning, we have been seeking out products that have a very refined aesthetic and an elevated aesthetic and are also responsibly or socially, uh, socially responsible or environmentally friendly at the same time. So we, we want to show that both can exist together and can enhance your lifestyle instead of
1: making it harder or making it terrible. Has it gotten easier to find those products than it was when you first started?
3: Totally. So when we would go to market, and again, this, this goes down to the language, we were not asking the right questions or it took us a while to figure out the right questions to get great answers. And for a while we were saying things like, is this, is this sustainable? And people didn't, the the people representing the products didn't quite understand what that meant to us. So they would say things like, oh, well, it's wood or, oh, at, at one point someone said, oh, well, you can eat it. (laughs) they're talking about lego legos they're like well you can eat a lego we were are like i don't think we asked the right question
0: yeah yeah, my three-year-old can swallow this but i don't think it's good for him right (laughs) i think you could eat
3: anything actually right so we tried we started figuring out how to ask those questions in a way that wasn't off-putting or accusatory because if you if you ask like oh you know, is this environmentally friendly? It can be, it's hard to say no, you know, it's, yes. it, it makes them feel bad. And at first, a lot of the rep- representatives for companies of products didn't know the answers. And so we would have to ask very specific answers. So, is it made in America? Is it, you know, is the factory certified? Just smaller questions that they may know the answers to. And what we learned is... and. It, Of course, not just because of us, but hopefully because of a lot of retailers starting to ask those harder questions. Now, companies lead with that information. The people, the representatives of the products are much more knowledgeable and they're prepared to answer those questions. And not only are they prepared, but they use them as selling points. So they, and now they know us and they know how we purchase. So they can even better identify products that. Are a great fit for us. So now you know they lead with made in America. They lead with sustainable wood, and and hopefully that's because enough people asked hard questions over a long enough period of time that they had to change the way they were operating. That's our our whole mission is to use business to advance good because we know that. We know there's a place for the consumer. There's a place for regulations. There's a place for the church. There's a place for nonprofits. It's going to take everyone to get us to an actual sustainable operation as as an, a planet. But the dollar or the equivalent of the dollar is the one thing the entire world has in common. And therefore, it's the biggest, most powerful entity. So if we can continue to purchase from people making these very hard and oftentimes investment choices that will drive down the cost of making those decisions, which will make it even easier for people to fabricate that way and easier for people to buy that way. So we want to use our purchasing power to drive down the cost of shopping responsibly while showing that it can enhance your lifestyle instead of
0: making it harder. I want to go back though to your product selection. So now having three locations, do you choose the same products for every location? Like, is the Edmond customer different from downtown? I heard somebody like kind of coined the Chisholm Creek store as like your best seller store. Like, how does that work? And is that is that true about Chisholm Creek? Do you think? I, we
2: we stock Chisholm Creek
0: with our bestsellers because it's a much, much, much smaller footprint.
2: We call it the fun size plenty. So <laughs> to that. get it to get it the it's snack size, size plenty. Snack so size. to get it started, we we stocked it with our best sellers. Um and it's been it's been great. Of course, you know, we opened nine days before the COVID shutdown. So that was less than spectacular. But uh, it's back and going. And our our demographics are different. We have a um a very, uh, intense data, uh, system that we use, which are actually suckers. So in Edmund, we give out, uh, three suckers to one. So that tells us that we get more children or we have adults that are eating more suckers in Edmond
1: um, or shopkeeper
2: been- that eats more than his share in, in <laughs> suckers. We're not sure, but we know we get a lot more children and, and, moms with kids in Edmond than we do downtown. And we get a lot more tourists downtown than we do in Edmond, of course.
3: Yeah. So the big stores, the downtown Oklahoma City store and the Spring Creek Edmond store have 95% of the same products. So when we order a line, we have full intention of them being at both, both big stores. The only real difference between or two differences between the two big stores is Oklahoma City is older so it has more stock from past orders or you know more and and more found antique objects and it's got a bigger footprint so you may find slightly different pieces there and then the the real difference is how we the the quantities that we stock between the stores because we know that Edmund sells more kids items so they would have you know 18 of a product instead of nine. And Oklahoma City might have you know, more entertaining items than Edmund might. So it's really the stock levels may be different between the two stores. And then based on our, our customer and the, and the buying habits. And then at, uh, Chisholm, like she was saying, is our fun size or snack size, a little micro shop. It's about a 10th of the size of our other stores. It's, it's like the size of our kids section at both stores. So that forced us to be extremely particular about what, what goes there. And then also, and then we also wanted items that people like staples that people depend on from the other stores. And then we rotate out new products and seasonal products there as well. And little things people could run in and run out and grab. So you won't find like, you know, pillows and tables and the larger home decor pieces that take up more square footage like the other stores have.
0: Well, your merchandising is beautiful. Like your, your displays are always just stunning. I always am in awe of your windows, downtown and Edmond, um, as well as the truck, like uh, during Christmas, your store is like my favorite. It's so beautiful.
3: Well, the truck truck has a great story. So that downtown building is our, will always be our flagship store. It was the, the first store that opened eight years ago. And like she said, we looked at almost every, every available building in the in the oklahoma city area and we finally looked at that building knowing it was way more space than we wanted and we drove up my mom and i sitting in the in the front of our red 57 chevrolet pickup drove up to that building to look at it for the first time and we walked in and the girl showing us was like oh and this was the very first chevrolet dealership in oklahoma
1: like I oh, meant to be what? You're like, oh, okay, it's so we'll take it. It's yeah, it's ours. Okay, so
0: this makes sense like, with okay. the venue and the the paint on this. Or it says Chevrolet, right? Or Chevy, or
3: yeah, the mural on the roof. Yeah, block. yeah. So our whole block was the Chevrolet portion of the dealerships because the district is called Automobile Alley. It used to be home to fifty different dealerships, and our showroom floor, like where the the products sell, is the original terracotta tile where they would show the the trucks and the cars and they would pull them straight out of the front doors which are the original wooden accordion doors so that's how we get the truck in because cars used to go in and out that front door all the time and then the back where the warehouse part of the venue is is where they did the mechanics and the four-door pickup
1: like the four-door pickup was invented in our building wow
0: how long had I you had, have had
2: the four-door the right
1: there Right. How long had you had the four-door pickup? I and mean, was this like a family treasure that you guys had, had restored yourselves? I mean, how did you end up with it?
2: Well, uh, the year before we opened, my dad my dad found it. I grew up uh, on a 1957 um, Chris Craft boat. So when he found a 1957 Chevy, he was like, oh my gosh, this truck. And then it just all kind of... Fell into place. You know, yeah, fell into place. So.
1: Well, so you said that when you wrote the business plan that you knew you also wanted to have a venue with the shop. So when you found the building, did you immediately, you didn't always have the roof as part of the venue, right? It was the back warehouse part. And then you moved up to the roof. How, how did that evolve?
2: Well, we, we knew we wanted green space and we were looking at buildings so that we could have an outdoor gathering. Cause I always gardened, and, you know. We wanted to do classes and gardening and hold events outside. Um, and when we fell in love with the building, there were two skylights and we thought, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just go to the rooftop and it, we opened the store and then we opened the rooftop and then we opened the warehouse was just a, um, a, a warehouse full of junk. So we cleaned it all up, opened it up and then we opened the catering kitchen in the back.
3: Yeah. So our whole plan was to have a retail portion and an event venue. And then this building again, way more space than we thought. So we had to, we had to multiply the numbers and everything in our business plan by four times like on paper. So the, the risk was huge, but we saw that hopefully the reward could be great. And this building lent itself to that cyclical structure. Like you were talking about Emmy. So not only, does the store do better in the winter during Christmas when the outdoor venue is not rented because it's too cold? But in addition to that, the way like the physical layout of the building also is cyclical with our different types of customers. So because you have to get to the rooftop through the warehouse, you have to walk all the way through the store. So every person attending an event is introduced to our store and every person that comes to our store is introduced to our venue, which is an advantage that a lot of venues don't have. You have to make appointments to see venues. So that's that's been a plus. And then, you know, now we keep the store open later. So as people are attending events, they can come into the store and shop. So. You can pretty
2: much shop
1: anytime. Oh, I have never been there when I haven't purchased something. I was going to say. Event or no event. I'm in there buying something. It always seems like it's late at night.
0: Well, as somebody who also has personally had an event in your space, it was wonderful. Not only because... You know, it was so easy for my cater to use the kitchen, but you guys had all these awesome rentals. But yeah, like now that you say it, there were people who, with their wine, were shopping, like, that and they me. loved it. Did you shop that oh, night? Yes. Oh, I mean, that's I'm so so telling funny. you, I've never not
1: got anything. <laughs> I I mean, was to ask
0: you, by the way, you do, you, so great events. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, it's I miss those days. Hopefully, they'll they'll
1: be back very I know. soon. I I really. I am missing those days too, yeah. especially so I can wear something really fabulous to an event. Yeah. Well, tell me, so I, on your website, uh, I think Chode House did a video for you guys and it was of your family and I watched the video and it has the 57 Chevy and it has you guys gardening and cooking together. I mean, I'm sort of getting teary thinking about it. Talk to me about family and how you guys at clearly comes really naturally to you Tracy and and I think you and Greg have set the the stage for having a really close loving family was it easy to transfer that to the shop because when you talk about the business it also seems like a family so t- tell me t- tell me how you made that how you made your business feel like a family i think what
2: if anything that that has made the biggest impact. And to the extent that we have longevity has been because we, uh, we entered into this with an understanding that we were going to be super transparent. We were going to be who we were. Um, all of our kids have worked in the business. They've invested in it. Um, we salvaged all the wood that is used on the rooftop. I mean, it, it is an investment and it was, it was very important for me as a mother for our our children to watch us work and see what we're doing and be a part of it but i also think being my age and raising children i think it's important for the people that you work with especially you know we have younger people because they're you know in college or just out of high school <clears throat> but it's important for them to watch a business grow and be a, be a part of that. So I think, I think that plays into it. I think, um, I love, I, I love gatherings. I love, you know, being around people. And I, I, I hope that that translates and and that you, when you come into plenty, you know that it is very intentional and that you are welcome there and, um, And that we profoundly appreciate, you know, everybody that walks through the door because they don't have to. I mean, we 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 there is nothing at plenty that anybody has to have. It's not a you know, you don't you don't have to buy from us. So those so those people that choose to walk through our door, we are incredibly grateful for that.
3: Yeah. And at the beginning, we did want it to feel like you felt walking into her house. So she has always been extremely hospitable and gracious, and generous, and warm. Um, so we and, and we even we don't even say customers; we say guests because we want them to feel like they are guests in our home, and this is an extension of that. But I think I think there are a few other important elements to that, and I'm I'm glad that it feels that way because we've we we hope that it does. Um, but I was raised, obviously she, she's my mom, she raised me and our family has very high expectations and we work very, very hard and we hold each other accountable. And I think the way we treat each other and the, that type of mindset that I was raised with has translated to the way we lead and the type of, um, culture that we try to foster. Like if we mess up we admit it and we fix it and we learn, figure out why it happened and we do better next time. And I think that that level of trust that comes with that helps our team feel safe. And I think that translates to how it feels in the store. Um, And then I can say working with, I'm sure it's really hard I'm I know that it's harder to work no, coming. with coming.
2: <laughs> oh, so, hang on, um, I'm gonna mute myself. <laughs> I don't think I want to hear this.
3: I I'm sure it's harder to work with your daughter than it is to work with your mom. So she d de- I mean, she does a great job of giving me, you know, respecting that I am an adult, but that was a very hard transition for me because I you know, I was in a very blessed situation where my family was able to pay for my college and I was, I've always been very close to my parents. I only went to school 45 minutes away from our house. So I didn't have a lot of time away from them to really, you know, grow up on my own and get, you know, really confident in that. And I graduated and overnight we were equal business partners. And that was a hard transition for me because she saw me as her partner and I still saw her as my mom. And I mean, that's all I ever knew. So the tone of which she would disagree with me, it was it was a very hard transition and I'm, I'm still working on it. And I mean, we all want to make our mom proud and all the stuff that goes into that. So I have had to figure out how to just basically manage my own expectations of that, but it, it is hard, but th- there is a, a very unique uh, relationship that comes out of that because most people will never see their mom or their parents in the type of situations that I do. Like we're learning next to each other, you know, like we're, we're figuring things out in real time that both, that neither one of us know. And I think, I don't, I don't know if a lot of adult children get to see that side of their their parents and you know she's still very much in the prime of her life and she's she's done amazing work but this is i'm seeing her do that and doing it next to her so that while it is hard there that is that has been my favorite part
0: That's so like I relate to that so much. Just having worked with my mom. I mean, briefly, not eight years. We only worked together for two. But I don't know if you did this. Like if I had like a stomach ache or I didn't feel well, I'd like almost try to hide it from my mom because I was like, oh, I don't want her to like coddle me or tell me to go home. Like, I want to work through this. Like, I don't know if you have that kind of guilt of like, I don't want to seem like a child right now.
3: Yes. Or I'm like, she's going to think I'm faking it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like I that time it junior like, year. I really do have right. a stomachache. Like, even, even when she calls me still, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I still have that complex. Like I need, I'm, I have to make sure I'm doing you know, something working all the time. And I am working all the time. So that is not a reflection on her. That is my personality coupled with working with your mom. So oh my gosh. that is something I'm still working through. But as I get more confident in my role and what I do well and setting boundaries, it becomes, it's becoming much easier, but it's taken a while.
0: And it's not even them. They're not the ones who are not breaking the boundary. It's (laughs) you, it's, you have to make that boundary. Yeah.
3: He has said multiple times, like you, you just gotta, you gotta grow up. You gotta get over this. This is not, this is not something I am doing. And I am realizing that. So I've made a lot of progress, but she makes it as easy as possible. I know. And I'm sure I don't always make it incredibly easy because I revert back to being the daughter, you know, know. like if we disagree, I'm like, like, I get kind of bratty sometimes. And I'm like, she's just unnecessary. So I'm still working on that.
0: I love it. I I, I think that's, I think that's so honest. So what, what is next for plenty? Like what is coming down the pipeline? Anything like, what do you see for Plenty in the future? So w-
3: when we opened the second store in Edmond, we wanted, we did that be- because it, it, the timing was right and things lined up. But we did that with the intention of seeing if the retail portion of the business could stand on its own outside of being attached to a venue and outside of a historic building. And we've seen that. Like, it outsold downtown a lot of the days it was open, the very first few months, which of course we know probably could not have happened had we not been in business for five years before that. But that was exciting to see that it could... You know, our product mix was strong on its own. And then we opened... Uh, we call it P3. It's the Plenty 3, the third shop in Chisholm Creek. Um, we opened that again with the plan to see if a select portion could stand on its own. And so far it's been great. We're meeting a lot of new people. Um, and that, that smaller space feels replicatable to me. Um, I think just the sheer scale of the other two stores is it's, I, I'm still traumatized from opening the first and second store. Just <laughs> <you have enough laughs> more product. You have
2: I'm working through some stuff too. Right. Well, PTSD. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So just the scale of those shops takes it to what I didn't realize was a whole nother level. So that the the smaller stores feels like we could have more small stores, but there's a few other exciting things we can't quite say yet, but we should be able to announce soon.
1: We can't wait to hear. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm we can't wait like to hear. On the edge of my seat with what you guys are doing, I'm constantly amazed with the amount of the amount of thoughtfulness that you guys put into your work, it, mm-hmm. it's really it's really inspiring, especially to me, who also owns a shop on a much smaller scale. But I know that you guys ins- inspire me for sure. What do you – I mean, I have a few questions we like to ask everybody at the, at the yeah, end of final, the podcast. Yeah, our final final so questions. I'll ask one, and then Emmy will kind of ask our final one. But I think that if I – I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma City. I lived away for 15 years. I moved home 17 years ago. And if I could have said 17 years ago that this is what Oklahoma City would look like today, I think I would have people would have thought I was crazy. And so I never could have predicted what has happened over the past 10, 15 years. What do you predict is going to happen in Oklahoma City over the next 10 years? Where do you think we're going to be in 10 years? And, and how is, I think Plenty's changed the landscape of Oklahoma City for sure. And I think that's one of the reasons we want to interview you guys. So where's Oklahoma City going to be? And uh, how did Plenty play a role in that? Go for it, mom. Oh, gosh. I don't, uh, how did Plenty play I don't,
2: I don't know. I know that, I know that, it, I believe that it started with the MAPS program. It started with people investing in the city. I, you know, the the last MAPS program is going to move us even further ahead. I think we have a, a young mayor that has made a huge difference in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think, I don't know if it is the perfect storm of the generation that I think we lost to other cities are wanting to to come home are of that age. And that's a great opportunity. Um, I believe that we are the surprise city of, of the country. I think, you know, when Vogue came out with, you know, no, no longer a flyover city, I was like, shh, don't tell anybody. Cause you right, know they're going to come here. <laughs> we're yeah. We're, best, we're the best kept secret right. around. And it's true. I mean, it, it is a, it, it's a big city that, that feels small. I mean, you say, you see the same people twice. It, it, we have retained that, that hometown feel. We have a, 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 an amazing food culture here. We have an amazing art culture here. We have... Uh, uh, it's easy to get around in our city now. Uh, we have businesses because uh, the city ordinances have made it easy to open a business here. We have the lowest unemployment rate in the country I mean, those all of those factors work together to produce a community that that I mean, there's nowhere to go but but up. Yeah. And I think people are investing in the city, you know, keeping these you know keeping the buildings, opening businesses, retail. I mean, retail is a community endeavor. I mean, that's what grounds our city. So I I believe in retail. I believe in you know brick and mortar. And the more retail that we have, the The better it is for retail, the better it is for our community.
3: Yeah, and I think that related back to your other question about did Oklahoma City play a role in our success, and I think I could answer both of them the same, that Oklahoma City is small enough that there is a lot of opportunity to make a big impact and also large enough to have the resources to allow you to do that. And we we were inspired by stores like Blue Seven, who was around when I was in high school. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so all those stores that came before us and and hopefully plenty has, you know, impacted the landscape of the city. But more than anything, I hope that it is a a mirror for people to see that they can also take this opportunity and make their own impact. You know, every store in, in the city is so closely related to the founders and that each one is so uniquely different. And this city has just blew us away from the very beginning and still does with the, the local business community support. Like everyone's cheering for everyone and there's, it's, it's camaraderie and, collaboration over competition. And like she said, retail is good for retail. So we hope to be a place people want to shop, but we also hope to inspire other people to, to, to fill in the gaps and notice the things that could be, and then figure it out and make it happen.
2: I think, I think an important thing is that, you know, know, we we, we generate sales tax. I mean, people pay sales tax. I mean, in that, That, you know, pays for our police and our fire and our roads. I mean, that is that builds community. I mean, that is a that is a machine that that gives us a better infrastructure and a in a in a better city. So I think to the you know, to the extent that we can build that infrastructure that I love so much, then I mean, our city is our city is great and getting better.
1: We could not agree more. I think that's why we decided to do this podcast because we wanted to tell all these stories about people like you guys who have who have made this such a great place to be.
0: Okay, are you all ready for the final question? <laughs> um, okay, Ooh. find so, out. <laughs> so your best friend from out of town has just sprung a visit on you. Where do you take them first?
3: Hopefully, plenty. I hope that <laughs> people's agenda. We do actually. Our downtown store is like close to the highway, so we do see a lot of people on their way to drop their friends off at the airport to make a quick quick stop to Plenty. So, hopefully, we're a place that people want to come back to or want to show their friends. Um, but me personally, I would show them the boathouse district and um we would we would go to cheevers cafe because that's classic um oldie but a goodie um walk around automobile alley which is where our our big store is and some other wonderful stores and we love the jones um it feels like you're in a, a big city Cause you, I mean, we are, I guess now I know.
1: we have, I, <laughs> I have to train myself to really say that now we are in a big city. Yeah. yeah. Um,
3: kitchen three, two, four has a great atmosphere. I remember the first day like on their soft opening, I walked from our downtown store and it was snowing. And when I walked in, it felt like, Oh my gosh, this is like a real, we're like a real city. city. This feels like a big city. You like, I'm like you're walking, in New York. It's I'm so walking, much fun. fun. Beautiful, beautiful place. So
2: I would drive, I would drive them around downtown Scissertel Park, everything that's, you know, Buried Gardens, uh, go to the top of um look out from vast. I mean, if you haven't seen the the city from Vast, it is amazing to look over Scissertel Park from that vantage point. Um, a drink at the Ambassador, uh walk down to the parlor. Pick what you want. The collective. If it's nice out, walk across the blue garden. I mean, Halls Pizza. I mean, it's just it. There, I, there's so many choices now. Which oh. I mean, choices are. That's the exciting part is that you cannot hit everything that you want to take somebody to. You're not looking for places. You know, you're not in in um, dire straits to find some place to go. We are over.
1: I mean, we we have a lot of choices. You better make a reservation, Tracy. You can't just walk in. We got to be more organized (laughs) now that we live in this big city.
0: Exactly.
1: Well, we want to thank
0: you guys so much for coming. I mean, seriously, you guys are awesome. Your story is incredible, and thank you for, um, (laughs) like, helping us. I mean, we're so new at this podcast thing, so we really appreciate your support. So,
1: Tracy and Brittany. Thanks so much for being with us. Will you tell our listeners where they can find Plenty in person and online? Absolutely.
3: So we now have three brick and mortar locations in the Metro. Our flagship store is in downtown Oklahoma City in Automobile Alley at 8th and Broadway. That's the one that's attached to our event venue that can be rented for your own private gatherings. There is a lot of very hopefully informative and transparent information on our website about the venue. We also have another large store in Edmond at 15th and Bryant between Fuzzy's and Panera. And then we have a tiny new micro shop in Chisholm Creek over by Topgolf and Cabela's and Uncle Julio's. It's a select um, mix of top sellers and new products. And then we have a great website that we have worked super hard on the last few months due to covid and our whole plan is to make shopping local easy. So the website is stacked with thousands of products. It will never have 100% of the products in the store, but it has a great selection and we can ship out to you or we can ship from you to a friend or you can choose curbside pickup at either the downtown Oklahoma City store or the Edmond store most orders are fulfilled same day and you can choose gift wrapping. So if you're still trying to keep your distance and don't feel comfortable coming inside yet, this is built for you. We want to make gifting easy and make supporting your local shops easy and fast and still fun. And you can find us on our website at plentymercantile.com or on our social media. We post a lot of new products and uh, keep you posted on Venue-related things, and the
1: tag is at Plenty Mercantile. And you guys should go to the Instagram immediately to see the post from yesterday from the ad. I think it was for luxury that had yes. was all in blue, and it had the vote hidden in it. I really yes thought that was
3: that's fabulous. A, a shout out to our amazing team. Where none of this could happen without them. This has become much bigger than the two of us, and. Mm-hmm. We get to be the ones answering questions, but they're the ones really making it happen. So our graphic designer and brand strategist is incredibly talented. And she came up with that series and has taken every picture and edited
1: it. So we love our whole team. Macy is amazing. Thanks, girls. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at Action City OKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at actioncityokc.com. Action City is produced by Black and Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Black and Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative, music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.